And uh, so good to have you here. Hey, we are in the middle of two things. Right now as a church, we're in the middle of a sermon series on prayer, right? And so we're, we're kind of going through that. And then we're also in the middle, maybe not quite in the middle, but almost halfway, um, in the middle of a 21 days of prayer and fasting. And, um, and, and so we've been doing those two things. And, you know, one of my fears as I came in today to church, one of my fears is that I would be getting some hangry looks. You know, but you know what? Y'all been so kind. You know, y'all been so good. And you know what? Let me just say this. I just want to commend you for participating. And so many of you have, have talked to me about it and have said, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what I'm doing. And, um, and I just want to say I'm proud of you. I'm proud of our church for leaning in. And, and everyone's got their fast zone. We talk about different fast zones. And everybody's different in the way they're, they're doing this. And, and, um, and they're praying. And I hope that you are seeing this as a wonderful uh, spiritual exercise habit in your life. And um, I uh, think about the five stages of grief. And I thought, you know, how, how, how close are they to the five stages of fasting? So the five stages of grief, maybe you can identify with all five, okay? Denial, anger, bargaining, <laughs> you know, depression, and finally you get to acceptance. I went through all five stages on day one. <laughs> all right, well, I, I'm going to keep encouraging that, by the way, you know, if you haven't started or just you're new and maybe you've been out for a couple of weeks and, oh man, you know, I kind of missed it. You haven't missed it. You can jump in right now and uh, there's still 14 days left and, and so you can jump in. They have these books. You can still use these books. It's been a nice tool to have and they're available out there in the lobby and also our online resource page, latepointprayer.org. Got videos on there. Uh, daily devotions, all kind of different resources, a place for you to submit your story. I love to hear how God is working. And some, some of you have done that. You know, some of you have done that a couple of times, and I love it. I love how God is doing something. And so please keep it coming. I love to hear it. I read every story that comes through and what God is doing in your personal life through this fasting. Some of you text me and say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. I appreciate that. I really do. As your pastor, I care to hear about those things. And, um, and so this is a great way to kind of share that on that website, latepointprayer.org. And uh, we had a devotion this morning, and I got to thinking, you know, we, I was hearing the devotions on Facebook, but if you're doing Facebook fast, you know, you're not on Facebook, go to this website, you know, and all the videos that's on Facebook, it's on there too. And this morning, uh, LP student pastor, uh, youth pastor, student pastor is uh, Corey, and Corey did the devotions, and they talk about John the Baptist, and talk about his, you know, what he would do. And I just, you know, I for a minute I kind of praise God that I didn't encourage you to do the John the Baptist fast because he ate. Remember the two things, honey and locusts. And, uh, and so just be glad. Hey, some of you are doing a Daniel fast, you know. I didn't, I didn't, you know, put that out there, the John the Baptist fast, and, and that's a good thing. Now, it's funny, if someone asked for church said, hey, you know, I was in Mexico earlier, you know, sometime last year, and they actually put locusts 
you know, people actually eat locusts down there. I said, that would be one fast I would never do. I would never eat a locust. And I look at the guy's wife. I said, you kissed that mouth? You know, I said, I make sure he brushes teeth really well. I said, that just sounds nasty all around. But um, anyway, we are so glad. Thank you for being involved with that. Today, in the last couple of weeks, I kind of talk about how to fast. Today, I want to talk about how to pray. I realize that there may be some of us here in this room that this is an area that you wish you could be better at. This is an area that we want to improve on. Maybe for some of you today, you're like, you know, prayer is just something I just had memorized and I just kind of went through the motions of prayer. I want to teach you a, a life-given message here about prayer. And I think it'll be so helpful for every one of us, whether you know how to pray or you don't know how to pray. I think there's something for all of us here today that we can learn from. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible said that Jesus one day was praying in a certain place. And when he finished praying, one of the disciples said to Jesus, the Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us how to pray. The disciples have been hanging out with Jesus for quite some time now, and they've seen Jesus do some amazing stuff. They've seen Jesus heal, you know, a blind man, you know, by spitting in the ground, making little cool mud cakes, and then putting that cool mud right into his face, right into his eyes, and tell him to go wash and see. And, and, and he, you know, was healed. He could see. They've seen that. They've seen Jesus feed the 5,000 with, you know, with, with, a, with a, a few loaves of bread and fish. And, and so, They've seen Jesus do all this stuff, and, and what's interesting is that not one time after any of his miracles do we see Jesus say, hey, Jesus, that's so cool. That was really neat how you fed the 5,000. That was really neat how you healed that blind man. Hey, can you show us how to do that? They never, we never see that, but there was something, something that they saw when Jesus prayed, and after Jesus prayed, the disciples were like, Jesus what we just saw was so moving and so powerful and so holy that we want to pray like that. Lord, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus, several times in the, in the gospel, he, he kind of gives us a teaching on how to pray. And I want to look at one of these passages of Scripture in Matthew chapter 6. And it's one of those great teachings and many of you are familiar with it. We, some of you, in fact, some of you have just memorized. This is the Lord's Prayer. There are psalms just on the Lord's Prayer using these words. And I want to read it out loud here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This is what Jesus said. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debt as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the Lord's prayer. It's God's gift to you and me saying, hey, I'm going to show you, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And so we're going to unpack that this morning. What does it look like? You know, what should we say? What are the things that we should do 
when we pray. I got five things here if you want to take note. Number one, in our prayers, we must seek God's presence with the heart of worship, with a worshipful heart. We must seek the presence of God with the heart of worship. Now, I think it's interesting that before we get to any request in the prayer, which is, of course, the one thing that occupies most of our prayers, right? We have several phrases that focuses on our relationship with God. And this shows us right here in the beginning that prayer is more about being in the right relation to God than just getting through some laundry list of requests and prayers that God already knows about. So I want to I want highlight two phrases here in the beginning. The very first is, Our Father who is in heaven. Our Father who is in heaven. Prayer begins right here in the Lord's Prayer. It begins by embracing the fatherhood of God. And that's where Jesus starts. Our Father who is in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but when, when I get ready to pray, I am sometimes immediately confronted with the fact that how unspiritual I am. I, I begin to think about how unspiritual my requests are. I wonder sometimes if I'm using the right words or if I have the right motives coming to prayer. Now, on the flip side, kids... Children, they never get frozen by their selfishness, ever. They just come as they are totally self-absorbed. And you know what Jesus said? That we should pray like little kids. We should pray like children. And how does children ask for things? That's in your life. If you have kids, you know, if you have grandkids, you know, how do they ask? They just say whatever's on their mind whether it's appropriate or inappropriate. They just say it. And you see, we have a, a God who is our Father in heaven, who accepts us with all of our methods because of the finished work of Christ on the cross. And some of you may have a hard time with the fatherhood concept. Maybe you have a hard time with the concept of God as your father because you had a strained relationship with your dad. Perhaps your dad was quick to anger. Perhaps your dad was inattentive. Or maybe your dad was absent. You barely saw him. But I want to encourage you to stop seeing your heavenly father through the lens of, through, through the lens of your earthly dad and flip it around and start evaluating your earthly father by your heavenly one. Maybe your earthly dad didn't care. Maybe he'd look at you as more of a nuisance than anything. But my friend, your heavenly father, he can't stop thinking about you. He dances over you. He, is, he, he knows you by name. He knows the number of hairs that's on your head, and he knows when one of those hairs fall off your head. He knows it all. Your earthly father, he may have been self-absorbed, right? He may have been self-absorbed, but your heavenly father was so into you that he absorbed your pain on a cross 
to spare you the eternal consequences of our sinful choices. So go before the throne of God boldly and we say, Dad, God, Father, oh, I have a need. I have a need, and here's my stuff. And we just tell them what's on our heart without all the posturing or obsession over the right words or the right thoughts. And we just say, we just go to God just like little kids. Uh, there's a famous picture of John F. Kennedy. He's in the White House at his desk, you know, and, and he's sitting there, you know, he's got some important papers in his hand. Perhaps it's the fate of the world in his hand, right? I mean, he's got some big decisions going on, you know, and, and yet there's little John Jr. right below him. And he doesn't really care that his dad's the president. You know, he only knows him as dad. You know, he, he, he doesn't think about, you know, calling him Mr. President, sir. He just calls him daddy. And when John Jr. has a need, I can imagine he's just tugging on his dad's pants leg and say, hey, daddy, hey, can, can I have some water? Daddy, can I have a juice? Hey, can I have some goldfish? And I love that picture. Because that's exactly how we can relate to a God who is the God of the universe. And we can go to him to tug on his pant leg and say, God, I have a need. And no matter what that need is, no matter how big or how small, God is the God that cares. Our Father who is in heaven. I love this. When you talk to God, this is what Jesus is saying, which we're taking note. When you talk to God, you are constantly identifying yourself as a child of God. Every time you pray, you're constantly identifying yourself as a child child of God, our Father in heaven. But there's a second phrase in this that I want to kind of highlight, and that phrase is, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. This is a request for God to be hallowed in our eyes and to show the world that he is hallowed through us. Now, you're wondering, well, Scott, what does hallowed even mean? It sounds kind of scary, right? There was a story about a, a guy who grew up in church, and he said that until he was eight years old, he always thought that God's name was Howard. And someone asked him, why do you think God's name was Howard? He said, no, every week, you know, we would pray, our Father who out in heaven, Howard be your name. The original language in Greek for the word hallowed is hagiazo, hagiazo. And it means holy. It means to be set apart. God is holy. He is set apart. Now, there are two phrases that I think can help you get your mind around what Jesus is going for here when he talks about hallowed be your name. So take a note. The first phrase is the word most beautiful. Most beautiful. He is better. God is better than anything that you're asking him for. Many of us, we approach God like only a mean to an end. Where we say, God, get me out of this jam. God, heal my body. God, help me get, do well on this test. God, help me get this job. But seeing God as hallowed or holy 
It means that we see him as greater than all earthly gifts. It's saying, God, I, I, I would love to have the new job. God, I would love to have a healed body. But you are better than any of those things. And God, if I don't get them, yeah, I might be disappointed. But it won't affect my joy or my confidence in life because I have you, the greatest of all possessions. And so in the 1600s, the Puritans, the Puritans were under great persecution. Many of them were killed for their faith. One of their prayers that the Puritans would pray was for God to open up a valley of vision where they could see God. They would pray a prayer like this, God, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, open our eyes so that we can see you. And God, when we see you, we will feel no evil because we know that you are with us. So God turned this valley of the shadow of death into a valley of vision where we can see you, and that would be enough. And that was the sort of prayers that the Puritans would pray. Open our eyes, God, because you are more beautiful than anything else we have. Even if all else doesn't come through, we trust you. So hallow this idea of most beautiful, but also this idea of most worthy. Most worthy. This is recognizing in prayer, when we pray, hallowed be your name, we are recognizing that the point of my life is to give glory to God. To give him glory. See, life is not about me. Life is not about you. See, life is all about his great name and his kingdom come. See, a lot of times we just rush right into prayer. And we just kind of forget why we exist in the first place. You see, we exist for the glory of God. God is not a servant. God is not a butler whom we just put to work for our own purposes. You know, prayer, you know, God is not a panada. And, and prayer is a walking, you know, it's a whacking stick. But we just kind of beat God for the things that we want from him. That's not how prayer works. It's not a magic wand. Prayer is not a genie in a bottle. You know, the prayer is all about recognizing that everything is for God's glory, and we have a small part in the grand story of God. God is just the one not. And he is worthy of it all. There's a name uh, that, you know, I, I, the name that probably you've never heard of. And uh, I'm going to put it on the screen. That name, Biggs Darklighter. Now, only the geekiest of Star Wars nerds will know who he is. He is the guy in the very first movie. He was shielding Luke Skywalker as he was trying to destroy the, you know, the Death Star, Right? And, uh, and, and this guy, who, who, you know, he actually had a name, right? His name was Big Dark Lytle. And he said, hey, Luke, I've got your back. I will protect you. I will shield you. Of course, you know, Darth Vader and his, you know, his uh, 
spider, you know, they took him out, and but uh, it protected Luke Skywalker, and he shot down and destroyed the Death Star. And we can be thankful for, you know, being Dark Lighter because without him, without him, then all 52 movies or whatever the numbers are would not exist. Would not exist. But we have him, and yet you never heard of him. We can be thankful for being Dark Lighter. And if we could be back with us today, back from his grave in a galaxy far, far, far away, we could bring him back today, and we would just say, hey, you know, what do you think about this show and the movie? What do you think about your part? And this is what he would say, I think. He would say, you know, it is what it is, and I'm okay with it. I don't care. My small sliver of the story was only to serve the purpose of the main character, Luke Skywalker. My friend, that, that, that's who we are. Our role in the story of life is not for us, but for him. We, we just have a role in the story, and we give him all the credit. God is the main character of the story of life. God might hallow his name before others by prospering you, by blessing you, so that you can give credit for your successes to him and using those successes that you have to further his kingdom. Or he might hallow his name by letting you suffer so that you can show everyone in the middle of suffering that you can have joy in the bad circumstances because he is better than health and anything else that you're asking him for. Hallowed be his name. The point of our lives is not living and dying. The point of our lives is giving glory to God. And sometimes God is glorified when sick people get well. And sometimes God is glorified when they suffer well and they die well. Hallowed be your name. And when you're spending time in prayer with God, we seek his presence, the heart of worship, our Father who's in heaven. Most wonderful, most beautiful is your name. Hallowed, holy is your name. Here's the second thought as we think about praying that Jesus is trying to teach us. In our prayers, we must seek God's priorities over your own. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A story about a little boy who got in trouble, and so his mama sent him to bed early without any dessert. And so the little boy goes to his bedroom, kneels down to pray, and said, Lord, now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, God, please save me some of that chocolate cake. <laughs> now, I think a lot of times when we pray, we're always asking for chocolate cake. Always asking for chocolate cake. So often our prayers, right, it's all about us. It's about what I want, about what I need. I need a raise. I need a new car. I need a, I need a new house. I need you to fit this person in my life over here. Oh, God, don't fit me. Fit, fit him. Fit her, right? 
And so many times, we, again, we come to God like he's just bring the machine. And, and we, you know, we, we have this mind to say a prayer, and he's just going to deliver it. But may I remind you again, it's not about you. It's all about him. It has nothing to do with us. It's all about what he's doing. It's all about what he wants us to do today. Uh, if you're taking notes, we're asking God how we can be engaged in his ultimate mission. We ought to seek him first. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Don't, you're not seeking first your needs and your stuff. You're seeking first him, his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. You see, this is the reality of our prayers. That we're to seek the giver and not the gift that he gives. We're to seek him. We're seeking him first. And so we should be engaged in his ultimate mission. In other words, when we pray, we should be praying, we should be asking God and saying, God, I'm available. God, I just want to be where you're at today. I want to be involved in your mission. Not here. I, I, it's not my agenda. God, I want to be on your agenda. Wherever you're working, God, God, I want to be there. I want to be involved with you. I want to be involved with your mission. You know, at the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he was crucified, right before they arrested him, he was praying and, and, and sweating drops of blood from his forehead. And he knew that the, that the path you know, for the redemption of mankind. He knew the path was to a cross. But while he was praying to his heavenly father, Jesus said, God, I know we've got to go this way, but if there's any other way, let's figure it out. Let's go any other way. There's another path for the redemption of mankind. But God, at the end of the day, I want to do your will, not mine. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. That's the posture of our prayers. We first come to him. And say, God, I want to be on your mission plan, your mission agenda, whatever that is. What is your mission plan today, God, at my job? What is, my, what is your mission plan for me with my family? What is, God, what is your agenda for my community at church or wherever that might be in different places or communities that you're a part of? God, what is your mission today that I can be a part of? I want to be in on your plan. Number three. In our prayers, we must seek God's provision for your daily needs. Seek God's provision for your daily needs. Jesus said in the prayer, give us today our daily bread. I just want to point out for just a minute, and I don't know if this is a very spiritual point, but I'm just going to say it. Jesus, like bread. And I just thank God that it doesn't say our daily kale. I'm, I just thank God it doesn't say our daily juice cleanse. You know, Jesus, like bread. So what would Jesus do? Well, I, I, I would like to think that he didn't get the bunless hamburger. You know, I mean, he got the nice full juicy hamburger with the nice, you know, homemade bread on top, you know. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's the homemade bread or the bread from Wonder Bread from the store. It, you know, Jesus, hey, what would Jesus do? 
right? And by the way, that's just my two cents. Not sure if it's very spiritual, but you're going to get the point in just a minute. Most of us never think about this when it comes to our daily bread. Because we live in a country that will bless. We are so dependent not on God. Because if there's something we need, we don't even have to leave the couch that we're sitting on. We can just open up an app. Name the app, Amazon, DoorDash. You, you see it, you want it, you can get it without moving nothing more than a thumb muscle. We are not dependent on God. And so for you to really see this, you need to go to a third world country where they don't know when they wake up, where the food on your table could have come from. And so when they actually pray, God, we need you today to provide in a way that we don't know how we're going to do it. We don't have the means. We don't have a store. I don't have a car. The, 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 the field is dried out. We're in the middle of a famine. But God, I trust that you will provide our need today. Oh, my friend, to get into a place where we can depend on God and stop being so self-dependent on our own. That's the heartbeat of this little phrase. Can I just be honest? I think it's one of the hardest phrases in the whole, in the whole Lord's Prayer for us to get a hold of. To be dependent on God. Here's some thoughts as I think about that phrase. It means day by day, we are looking to God as the ultimate source for everything. Not just bread, but anything we need. I think about the roles that I'm in as a dad, you know, as a husband, as a pastor. Anything I need in the role that I have, nothing is off limit. And I go to God day by day looking for him to be the ultimate source of everything. Another thing I noticed is that not every request is spiritual, right? Bread is not spiritual. I love this. My, one of my favorite promises is in Philippians chapter 4. It said, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. Let your request with thanksgiving be made known to God. We should look to God for everything. Anything I'm worried about, anything I'm stressed out about, do not be anxious about anything. You don't need to be. Give it all to him. It's interesting to see the different things that people pray for throughout Scripture. Some are spiritual, some are not. I think about Zechariah and, and, and Elizabeth. They wanted a family when they couldn't have kids, so they prayed for a son. Solomon prayed for wisdom in his new job. Samson prayed for water when he was thirsty. And superhuman strength to accomplish the job. Joshua prayed for the son to stand so that he could finish the battle. Daniel had a weird dream, and he didn't know what it meant, so he prayed for the interpretation of that dream. Gideon thought God was calling him to do something, but he wasn't so sure about it, so he prayed for confirmation whether he should do it or not. David, he prayed for forgiveness after committing adultery with Bathsheba. He prayed God to give him a clean heart. Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain. Paul prayed that, that for that thorn in the flesh that he had to be taken away. 
the disciples, they prayed for boldness. Peter, they asked, he prayed and asked Jesus for financial help to pay his taxes. Jesus told his disciples to pray to get out of temptation. Jesus also prayed that his disciples would stop acting like idiots and be unified. Jesus told us to pray for lost people and for workers to get the gospel to them. And all the apostles in the book of Acts, they prayed for Jesus to come back soon. Here's the rule. Here's the prayer rule if you're taking notes. If it matters to you, it matters to God. And you should pray about it. If it matters to you, it matters to God. And you can pray about it. Some of you are stressed out about something that's going to happen in three weeks from now. Jesus is telling us here to tell God our need for the day. He said to be not anxious about anything, but to pray about everything. And you know what happens when you do? Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, I love this thought. It's not on your handout note, but you might want to write this down. Those who depend on God will learn to rest in God. Those who depend on God will learn to rest, will learn to rest in God. Here's the fourth thought. We must seek God's pardon for your sins. Let me just say this. The Lord's prayer is not a salvation prayer. This is a prayer for believers. You say, God, why you say that? Because it begins with that, with that relationship, child of God, our heavenly father. So this is a prayer for the believers, not a salvation prayer. And so Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, it said in the prayer, forgive us our debt as we also have forgiven our debtors. And this is the part where we come to God and we ask for those sins, even as Christians, because we still mess up. We still fail. We still drop the ball. We still sin. We come to God and we ask for forgiveness of the sins in our lives. And for some of you, that might be a once a week prayer. Others, that might be like every two minutes. But falling down before God and saying, God, I want to ask your forgiveness for the sins in my life. And some of you need to ask for God's forgiveness, whatever that is. If you're taking notes, when we seek the forgiveness of God, it anchors us in the reality of the cross. See, without the cross, there can be no forgiveness of sin. The purpose of prayer is to keep us centered in Christ. To keep us centered on the cross. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. Faithful, that means every time. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. He never runs out of forgiveness. You can commit the same sin over and over and over and over again. And sometimes we get to a place that God, I've already, I think I've reached my quota for the week. And so I'm not, I'm, I think I'm not going to go to you this week. I'm going to put myself in time out. And we, we do this. We put ourselves in spiritual timeout. By the way, that holds no biblical waters. God never said to put yourself in timeout. God never said, hey, you know, you, you kind of reach the limit, go to timeout. God never does that. He is faithful every time. 
to forgive you of your sins. To forgive you of your sins. Here's the next and final thought. We need to seek God's power to overcome temptation. So lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. Give us the power from the evil one. Satan is a real person. He is not some guy that wears like a red suit and carries around a red pitchfork. He is real, and he hates you. Satan hates you with every fiber of his being. He wants nothing more than to destroy your life, destroy your family. He wants to destroy your testimony. When you when you walk out these doors, I'm telling you, the full assault of hell is thrown at us. And this is what Jesus said, you need to pray for deliverance. To be not led into temptation. But we can be delivered. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There is power. Power in the name of Jesus. But every day, God, help me today. Help me today to keep my mind, my, my mind not to wander off into sin. Help me not to wander with my mouth, to, not to say the things I should not say. Help me not to do what I should not do, to go where I should not go. God, give me the strength and the power to overcome. I want to end with a few takeaways some practical suggestion, and um, this will either help you start your daily prayer life or maybe jumpstart it in case your prayer life is in a rut. I, I want to say, first of all, riff, riff, R-I-F-F, on the Lord's Prayer. If you ever go to jazz, you know, jazz musicians love to do this. They've got this song, and all the instrumentalists, they start to kind of do their own thing. You know, that's a kind of that's a kind of riff. They're in the context of the song, but they're kind of taking it to a different level, and, and they're having fun. They're doing it. Can I say that riff on the Lord's Prayer? In other words, don't just quote the Lord's Prayer and that's your prayer. Take this as a model. Jesus said this is how you should pray, not what you should pray. And, and throughout the years, I have riffed in my prayer time this way. Another way to remember this, riffing about, riffing the Lord's Prayer, is an acrostic that's very similar to the Lord's Prayer to kind of help you. It's the, it's the A-C-T-S. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. The first is adoration. You can say, wow. That's the kid version of this, wow. Confession. We can say, sorry. Thanksgiving, thanks. Supplication, help. And that's a real easy way. Leave that up for just a minute. You guys have a chance to write that down. But adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. This encompasses the Lord's prayer. And by the way, when you pray, you might, you know, throughout the day, it might be through a two, three, five-minute prayer. It may just be all about adoration. You might not cover all four of these components in one prayer, and that's okay. 
You might have another prayer later on today. Say, God, I have blown it today. Confession. Like confession time. Another time of thanksgiving. Man, you know, every time we sit down at a supper table, it's an opportunity to thank God for the food. But go beyond the supper table and thank God for what he's doing in your life. Of course, supplications. Man, I spend a lot of time in supplications. I, I pray for the prayer requests that come through our church. I pray for the needs. I, I pray for missionaries. I pray for pastors, pastor friends, pastors in our area. I'm praying for their churches. I'm praying for, you know, as many as I can to think about and just lifting up the Lord in prayer. Wow. Sorry. Thanks. Help. Here's some other practical things here and we're done. Take a morning walk. Or pray with no devices. Because we get that little chirp, chirp. Now, it'll vibrate. What we do, we, 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 we immediately go to it. Put it away. And, and then pray out loud. Let me emphasize that again. Pray out loud. Now, I'm not saying get yelling loud. I'm just saying talk out loud. Enough where it helps you to stay focused. It's loud enough for you where you don't doze off and wander off. It's so easy to wander off. I was in one of my prayers the past week, and I didn't pray out loud. I'm praying, and uh, I don't know how long, I, uh, at what point into it, probably about 10 minutes of some prayer, and all of a sudden, I found myself dreaming. What happened? I doze off. Pastor Scott, you doze off. I know. Disciple did it too, right? And I woke up, and I, and I said, man, that was a weird dream. Wait a minute. I just uh, go back to my prayer. And, then, and I said, okay, I got to start, I started talking out loud, praying out loud. Help me get focused. Here's another thing. Get reminders on your calendar to pray. During the fasting season, if you're not praying, then you're not fasting for spiritual purposes. You're just on a diet. And so set that up. Every time my hunger pain, you know what that's been doing for me? It's been like a little string around my finger with a reminder, ooh, okay, God, I'm hungry. That reminds me to pray. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start praying. All right, so set reminders, whatever that looks like. Use prayer apps. There are a lot of different apps out there to help you organize and track your prayer needs. Pray in the moment with people. Someone come to you and say, hey, will you pray for me? And say, yeah, I'll pray for you. If you can, pray with them in that moment. Don't promise that you'll pray for them. Pray for them in that moment. And if, if it's not the opportunity to pray with them in that moment, then pray silently in that moment. God, that, you know, John or, or George is going through this. God, pray with this person. Da, 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 da. Try two, three short times of prayer instead of praying one long prayer. Can I give you freedom in that? Sometimes we say, oh, man, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. No, once you do two or three short times of prayer. Do one in the morning, one in the afternoon, maybe after lunch, and one before bedtime. And, and put your time in prayer and pray during those times. Pray more if you can, but two to three times. Short times of prayer. Pray regularly with your kids. Let them hear you pray. Use the kids' version of the uh, ACTS. You know, wow, um, sorry, 
thank help and pray. Rift the Lord's Prayer with, the, with your kids. Above all, just start. Prayer is a muscle that grows the more you use it. And the more you do it, the more you know how to do it, and the more you desire to do it. And so start. And if you've already been starting, then I hope today would help you to jump out. Maybe there's an area that you've been kind of missing and pray. Today we're going to close out. Um, we want to do the, I want to do it together, the Lord's Prayer. I want us to stand to our feet. And we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer corporately. And then I'm going to close out in prayer. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to riff. I'm going to riff. I'm going to do a little riffing around here. As I close out this service, with the Lord's Prayer. Starting with our Father. Ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power the glory forever. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for that opportunity today to come together and to worship your great name. All the glory goes to you. God, we thank you that you still love us in spite of our many letdowns and failures. We can still come to you like a child and so, God, we ask you to help us. Help us to be engaged with what you're doing. We want to be on your kingdom plan, your agenda, your mission. God, show us today. Show us this week where we can be on the front line on your mission so that we can wave high the banner in the name of Jesus. Oh God, help us in our needs. Oh God, you are the source of everything we have. We recognize that, that it all comes from you. And so God, we ask you to help us. Help us today. Help us to dwell and be dependent on what you have for us. And so, God, we ask you to help us here to forgive us those sins that hold us back. Forgive us the, the deliverance and the power to overcome. And so, God, we ask you to help us in all of these things. The greatest your name. Greatest your name. We thank you for your salvation. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for showing us how we can have a real, intimate, personal relationship with you. God, I pray that I, the, those in the room that are struggling with this, I pray that today was helpful in helping them to draw closer to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.